Good morning. Good afternoon. Good night. And welcome to Jazzy Conversations. I'm Teef. And I'm Gigi. And we're excited to be here. Listen, thanks for checking in. Jazzy Conversations. I'm Teef. And I'm Gigi. And Gigi, let's do it. We're back for another episode. Yes, sir. You're yes, excited? Sir. Yeah, I'm always excited. Y'all don't know this. It's fun when we get together. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and you know, the key to this week is Gigi and I meet every week for at least an hour or so to go over the show. Mm-hmm. We weren't able to meet this week. I know. So I'm especially happy to be sitting next to you today, Teef. Gigi is very busy. Her schedule is extremely busy. Okay. Um, woman on the move. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. <laughs> Gee, I'm excited about today. Let me yes. tell you why. Yes. The individual we bringing up, Dr. Dwayne Smith, amazing, amazing gentleman. Oh. You're going to enjoy it. You know I love people yes. that are coming and, with, with the background he's coming with. Yes, yes. He yeah. has an amazing story, education. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to go too far into it because I'm going to tell him a story. Yeah. But this is how I look at it. Mm-hmm. When he comes on the screen today and tells his story, in the state of Connecticut, whoever's watching around the world, he's going to bring two major cities together. One individual. Think about that. Okay. Because as of right now, he's the CEO, president mm-hmm. of Housatonic Community College yeah. in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And in about three weeks, on June 1st, yeah. he'll be the interim president of Southern Connecticut State University in New Haven, Connecticut. Southern Owls. Yes, so, so that's huge. That is huge. So that I'm, really is huge. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, Gee, you know yes. what I'm going to do today? I don't know. You know I don't know. <laughs> I'm so excited. Listen, same way you will be with Gabby. I'm so excited today. <laughs> My baby girl is yes. graduating this Saturday from Tennessee State University That's in good. Nashville, Tennessee. Come on. Congratulations. What y'all, so, y'all call her Tweety Bird, right? Tweety Bird. You got Congra- it. <laughs> Congratulations, Tweety Bird. Tori Raquel and all the AKAs out there at Tennessee State. I'm repping for you guys today, oh, all right? Congratulations. Beautiful. And it doesn't stop there. Yeah. Her cousins, my two nieces. Okay. Yeah. Going on to grad school. All right. Okay. So Hope Simone is going to the University of Chicago. Let's go. And my niece, Erin, is going to Ivy League. She's going to UPenn. All right. Yeah, so Aaron, Over in Philly. Alexandria. Mm-hmm. It's so a family affair. It's a family affair. So those three would definitely be together this Summer on the back deck celebrating and having yes, a good time. So I'm so beautiful. proud of three amazing, beautiful young women yeah. moving forward with their education. I love it. All I right? love it. That's beautiful. I appreciate it. You know, when you celebrate, it. I celebrate. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> You're my partner. Okay. So with that being said, G. Yes. Boom. Here's the part of the show. We're going to have a little fun. Let's go. I like right. fun. <clears throat> this is this week's game. Mm-hmm. It's called Song Association. Song association. All right. All right. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say a word, and what I'm asking you to do, mm-hmm. whatever word I say, I want you to sing a song that matches with it. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to give you five you, five. You're going to try to get me to sing on this mic. Right, okay, listen, let's go. This is my girl, <laughs> right. and Gigi's the church girl. Oh, so this he should loves be saying easy. that, too. All right, here we are. Here we are. It's All true. right, here we go. So the first word I'm going to say is uh, love. There's a ribbon in the sky for our love. Beautiful. You hear that voice? Oh, my goodness. I love it. Okay, I'm going to give you another one. Hot. All right, this is not no church song. It's getting hot. There you go. go. I love it, G. I love it. I love it. Good. These are good. Okay. Um, 
myself. Hmm. Myself. Look, you got K back there thinking. <laughs> In five, uh-huh. four, three, two, and we'll come back. Oh, what I would have said is all by myself. Oh, that's lovely. That's lo- <laughs> I had a song in mind, but the word isn't in it. Does it matter? Because it's just association. Does the word have to appear? Like, I like rules. We have to say the word. The word yeah. has to be in the yeah. song. Hmm, okay. Let me give you another one. I'll come Here back. Here we go. Feel. Feelings. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Feelings. <laughs> I don't even know the rest of that song. And you got a beautiful voice, too. You got a beautiful <laughs> voice. I love it, G. I love it. I love it. Uh-huh. I mean, so that was three. That was three. Okay, you got two more. Okay. Shake. Shake? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Shake, shake, shake. Um. Shake, shake, shake. Shake the devil off. Ah, yeah. Shake, shake, shake. Hey. Ah. Shake the devil off. I love it, G. I love it. I love it. Give it to me. Give it to me. All right. And G. the last one. Fire. Um, I do have it. I do have it. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Um, well, give it to me. Fire and desire. I love it. You know, but I can't remember that's, the rest of the song. That's crazy. <laughs> I, but listen, fire and desire. We all know it. Uh, Rick James. Rick James and, and uh, Tina, Tina Marie. Marie. Yes. Fire and desire. Yes, yes. That was really good. Gee, mm. did you have a good time? I did. That was fun. I, I'm mad I didn't get all of them, that's though. Okay. You know, hey, like listen, you did a great job. Thank I you. was thinking. Thank you. Um, because certain ones you were saying, and I was looking at Kay in the back. He's thinking of his, and I'm sitting here saying, okay. So fire, I was going to say... um. Now you got me thinking fire and desire, but I was yeah, thinking, your uh, turn. Oh, you know what I was gonna you say? You sing us a song, T. Through the fire. Yeah. Through, through the, the limit, through the wall. I was gonna say that one. Yeah. <laughs> a chance to be with Ooh. you. She's nice with it. She's nice with Come it. On. I love it. You, I love what it. What were you gonna I wanna know what our producer was gonna say for myself? Yeah, what, what were you gonna was, say? I saw him what like were you gonna say for myself? He had something in mind. Oh, I give myself away. <laughs> I love yes, it. I yes, love yes, it. I love yes. It. I, I love wish you, it. you could have cheated and gave me the, the nod. Okay, <laughs> that's all right. I got it. Hey, guys, amazing show. Yes. We're very excited. We have Dr. Dwayne yes. Stevens. Let's go. I hope you guys are ready. You ready? Here we go. Welcome to Jazzy Conversations. I'm Teef. And I'm Gigi. And Gigi, we have Dr. Dwayne Smith. Dr. Smith, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Dr. Smith. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. We're yes. so we're, we're so excited to have you. Now, as I was telling Gigi, yeah. right now, mm-hmm. today, he's the CEO, president at Housatonic Community College located in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Wonderful. That's On right, June yeah. 1st, uh-huh. he'll be the interim president at Southern Connecticut State University, located in New Haven, Connecticut. Wonderful. So excited. Yes. Yes. Very so, exciting. So, so very exciting. Congratulations. Okay. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited as well. We're so excited to have yeah. you. My buddy Gigi's over here. She's very excited to have you. Anything to do with education, she goes a thousand that, yeah, miles. That's my you know, that's ahead. my lane. That's my lane. And what I didn't share, my my father and my brother are both alums of Southern. Oh right. So I want to share that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. And my daughter, 
my firstborn. Yeah. Graduated from Southern Connecticut State University. Look at that. Look at so. that. That's what I'm finding when not since the announcement. I mean, everyone, everywhere, the uh, alum, a sister went there. That's right. Another, it's, it's really incredible. Yeah. Southern's a pillar in the state of Connecticut. Yeah. So uh, we have viewers from all over. And I'm quite sure some people from Missouri is going to be watching. So welcome to Connecticut, uh, Doc, Dr. Smith. So we're going to go. We want to go through the process. Um, you have an amazing story that I know about. Uh, Gigi doesn't know about, and a lot of other people. I know we're going to have a lot of eyes. What I said to Gigi, this video, uh, this interview is so important because I said he's going to bring a lot of attention from Bridgeport, which mm -hmm. is a, a major city in the state of Connecticut, as well as New Haven, yeah. mm -hmm. and they they're watching and saying. Teeth, I want to know who who he is. Yeah. He's coming down to New Haven. I want to hear his story. So we want to give you the opportunity to tell your story. I know it's amazing, and uh, we just want to go through the process from the beginning. Is that okay with you? I appreciate it, Teeth. Uh, so I always start off my story by honoring my ancestors, the Smiths. Absolutely. Right. And our, our lineage, we can trace it back to 1820. Wow. And when you think about that, uh, we were here uh, for hundreds of years. And my great, 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 great grandmother, Lotto Smith, was born in 1820. And I always give us some context. In 1820, Abraham Lincoln was only 10 or 11 years old. Oof, okay. And George Washington, George Washington had only been deceased for about 25 years. So the fabric of our country is entwined in the Smith family. And mm -hmm. I, I used to scratch my head about this. So back in the 70s, when I worked on the south side of St. Louis, I would need to catch the bus. It was late at night. And invariably, I would get called the N-word, which I'm used to getting called that. But one of the things that always struck me that these people, they were whites, they would say, go back to Africa. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm in America, but, but I didn't know my lineage then. Mm -hmm. So I've been in this country, our family's been in this country longer than most people, mm -hmm. you know? So there was a, because how we got here as black people, but other people immigrated here. So black people were here, African people were here longer than most people in this country. So that's just an aside. So, you know, uh, they were in the deep South where 90% of all African-Americans resided and they did not have opportunities. So um, they picked cotton. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you think about Jim Crow laws. Jim Crow laws were developed and enacted to keep Blacks uh, submissive mm -hmm. and uneducated. And my mother was this brilliant woman. She was born in 1926. Mm -hmm. And she's deceased now. She died at about 89 years old. Oh, wow. But she was brilliant. She, she, could, she was a tailor. Mm -hmm. uh, she tells a story often. She told the story often of her wanting to learn how to sew. And her mother said, well, you can learn how to sew. So her mother went to town. By the time her mother came back, she had sewn a dress with pockets and everything. And her, her mother was amazed, but that's how she was. Mm -hmm. She wrote um, poems. Uh, she actually published a song with Thomas Dorsey. If you know Thomas Dorsey, mm -hmm. he is the, the father of gospel music. Mm -hmm. um, she used to teach Bible study to the, 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 the older adults who could not uh, read or write. She was a little girl doing this. Hmm. And she wanted to be a teacher, but her mother said there was no money for the teachers because back then you didn't have the Pell grant, they didn't have student loans. Mm -hmm. You paid out of pocket. And so coupled with the fact that the white school board decided that basically black folks needed to 
uh, pick cotton. My 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 grandfather, her father was they were they were sharecroppers, mm -hmm. and so they cut out the twelfth grade essentially for all the individuals, black folk, in her town. But she was so adamant about uh, education that she finished eleventh grade twice. Mm -hmm. So she went to four years of schooling mm -hmm. and finished eleventh grade twice. Okay. Okay. So again, during that time period, there were not any opportunities for, um, mainly for black women, you know, mm -hmm. black period, mm -hmm. but black women, they mainly uh, uh, were maids and clean white folks' homes. And so she she went through the great migration, southern in St. Louis. She had seven children. My uh, second oldest brother had cerebral palsy. Okay. And he was born in 1956. He just died a few months ago. And during that time period, uh, people got institutionalized. And the doctor told my mother that she might as well put my brother, mm -hmm. her son, in an institution because he would not ever learn how to read, write, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. function as, as, as a, a, a human being. And mm -hmm. she, she dismissed that. She insisted that the world treated him as if he didn't have a disability. Right. And we had to treat him the same way. And my brother... He graduated from high school. Yes, oh. and was working. God That's bless. a mother's God love. Bless. Absolutely. That's right. And of the six of us, we have over ten college degrees. Ooh. Yeah. Very educated so, family. So she produced these people. You know, a lawyer. My, my, we just broke all kind of records being in this impoverished state. I just say that we came from horrific poverty. Yeah. I mean, we lived in buildings that were condemned, really. We used a trash can as a refrigerator, wow. those sort of things. But because of my mother's insistence mm -hmm. that we get educated, she produced all that. And my brother was the first Smith in 157 years to graduate with a college degree. Wow. I was the first Smith to graduate with a PhD in 187 years wow. from 1820. Oh, my wow. So that's the story, you know. And so I'm a firm believer in the transformative power of education. Yes. I mean, that's all I've done for life. And so that's my story and that's my journey. And it's important for me to share it because oftentimes people look at the end product right. mm -hmm. and don't know the journey the that climb. you have to Absolutely. Right. get to where you are. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That was a long story, but I just gave no. you. No, 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 no. That's a warm up. That's just the warm up. Yeah, we're excited. Absolutely. Let me tell you what I enjoyed about what, what you were saying. And Gigi, you can take over from Please. here. Um, you gave your mother a huge shout out. Mm -hmm. That touched me right here. I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you. You said about four or five times, my mother, my mother, my mother, my mother. And I love it mm -hmm. because you're your mother's baby. You're your mother's child. So that part for me was imperative. I love it. Yeah. And, oh, and, yeah. and, and I'll share with you, I think there's so many um, people from really all over the world, but particularly people of African descent that cannot trace back. You said 200 years that you can go back and, and know where your family is from. We were just having a conversation. I was saying, you know, I know where my mother and my father came from, but as far as going all the way to Africa, I just claim Nigeria. So right, I, I was talking, yeah, we were talking funny, about yeah. my dress. I said, I just claim it because we have not been able to trace back that far. So it is just, it is incredible that you're able to do that and incredible and wonderful. And thank you for sharing that. So, yeah. so Doc, now, this is what I want to do. So tell me, tell the world where you're from, where you were born and raised. Just tell me the state and city, the city and state. Sure, sure. So I was born uh, on the west side of St. Louis, okay. uh, Missouri. St. Louis, right. Missouri. Okay, now the process starts. 
you're in education and you spoke about having a PhD. I want to know the process. So you go to school. What kind of student were you in elementary? Did you play any sports? Well, well actually, here's the thing. Um, it was traumatic for me because I was a sen sensitive kid. Okay. And you cannot be as sensitive as I was in the hood. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, but, you know, I redeemed myself, right? Yeah. And so what I remember most, when I talk about this home that was dilapidated, all of our homes were dilapidated. But we had to suddenly move in, the, in my third grade. And it changed me almost forever. I mean, in a negative way. I lost my voice. Mm -hmm. uh, this is 1970. So every year from March of 1970, I remember all aspects, aspects of my life. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. And that's where we moved. And so that's the place where we, I just remember my youngest uh, brother was born in 1970. And so my mother was a few months pregnant. We moved to the house. And I just remember going to the hardware store to, to buy plywood to board up the broken windows. Mm. We're moving in the place. And it has busted out windows, holes in the walls. And my mother was just this proud woman. I just remember she would buy this, this, uh, this plastic to, to tape up the uh, holes in the walls. And so I remember being shifted in the third grade to the school. And it was in March. And so I didn't know anyone. And so I was, a, a, you know, I think they had one, two, three, and fours. You know, fours are like an A. And I remember going to the school, and I was so, literally, people talk about trauma all the time, but I was really traumatized mm -hmm. by the notion we're in this, this, this house that is so torn up. Mm -hmm. okay. And my brother, the brother who was disabled, he and my sister went to another school because during that time period, there was only certain schools they had what they call special ed. You know, mm -hmm. they had mm -hmm. really yes. special. Yeah. And I wanted us to stay together, but I went, me and my brother went to this school I remember um, uh, taking a math uh, test, and I, I got all the way wrong. I had a zero. And so I got that zero, and I was uh, just really embarrassed. Mm -hmm. So I looked at this one, this little girl, and back then, girls could be bullies, too, right? They Absolutely. were tough. They can still be bullies. I was about to say. <laughs> right, 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 right. And so I didn't know this, so I look at her and lick my tongue out. You know, I'm licking my tongue out. Mm -hmm. That was the wrong thing to do. <laughs> Because back then the teachers go and take cigarette breaks, and I know why. I knew this because they would come out smelling like smoke. <laughs> <laughs> so the teacher went out there and left, and they let me have it. That new boy is ugly. That new boy gonna get beat up. And I was a new boy. He was talking about. Yeah. And for some reason, I could not speak up. And from that point on, I was just silenced. Mm. I mean, I would speak, but I can. I would never be a protector of my own self. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, and it was really. I mean, I, I could go into the bullying, but for me, it was a triumph because when I went off to college, I was literally transformed. I became this activist. But during that time period, I was not a, I, I, I became this terrible student because I just couldn't have my voice. Mm -hmm. And then I picked up in, in elementary school as I moved forward. But when I went to high school, I was just an average student. I think mm -hmm. my GPA was like a 2.5. Okay. But I was always taking these courses, like my sister, who was brilliant, but she studied a lot. I mean, she was an honest society, so she would say, Dwayne, take this course. And it'll be, I'll be a, 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 a sophomore in a senior level course. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I still made uh, mediocre grades. I, I wasn't, it, there wasn't anything special about me. I'm saying I played football. I wasn't uh, outstanding. I was mediocre. 
And I'm saying this really speak the truth. I'm not yes, going to say yeah, no, that's, that's what we important. want. That's People are going to be inspired really by that. Because mm -hmm. I used to be embarrassed and shamed about a whole bunch of stuff in my life. Never again, right? So that's I could freely right. talk about this Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. You know? yes. And so it wasn't really until my freshman year in college that I came out a monster. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, I came out totally different. I got my voice back, and I remember going to those same neighborhoods. I would be, you know, the the little Jesse Jackson of the of the hood. You they know? didn't. They okay. didn't see you coming. They didn't Matter know. Fact, <laughs> yeah. My, so, my, so Doc, go ahead. So I want to I want to go through that process because I want to I want to I want to I want to hear the story. So you were in high school. You were like a two point five um, student. Yeah. Then you applied to school. What schools did you apply to, and what school did you go to? For, okay. For so college? I. So my, my, my oldest son, my oldest brother, I should say, who was the first in my family to graduate in 150-some-odd years, mm -hmm. he went to a school in Northeast Missouri State. Okay. So when he, he, and he was also commissioned as a second lieutenant because he was, he was in ROTC. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I went to visit him in my sophomore year, you know, after he graduated. And it was so odd because it was, it was in a rural town. And I, when I started, I was on that Greyhound bus. And it was like seeing pigs and corn. And <laughs> I was like, what? what Where are we? <laughs> right, right. You know? And so I remember. We're not in St. Louis anymore. <laughs> far from St. Louis. <laughs> far from St. Louis. Yeah. But here's the thing that was so amazing for me is that I was there and I said, I'll never come back to this town again. And two years later, mm -hmm. I started school there and was hired at the school. That was my first job. And I was there for 20 years. Be careful when you say I'll never, right? Wow. I'll never do. Don't ever say never. <laughs> never say never. Wow. 20 years. 20 years, Gene. 20 yeah. years. So I was there for four years as a student, and I worked there for uh, 16 years as an administrator. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so can I ask you, Dr. Smith, because you said something so important earlier about like what took your voice away. Did you know during that time period that you were traumatized and that... Or, or was this just how you felt, just disempowered? Did you know you were traumatized? I, as I, you know, we didn't have that that type of language. No, you know, no, but about, but there's a I mean, knowing, right? Well, I, I'm saying later on, as I look back on it, it yeah. was trauma. But yeah. it's like when black people went through stuff, they went through lynching, they went through uh, being beat. Mm -hmm. They didn't say I was traumatized; they just said I was beat. Yeah, that so and so was lynched. Mm -hmm. But now, as we reflect back on that, we can we can call it what it is. What mm -hmm. really trauma, mm -hmm. right. correct? And I remember. So one of the things that was in my head, I, I remember I was very independent. So I would take the bus everywhere. You know, I was a little kid taking the bus. And so it's one of the situations. My mother, as I said, she was a tailor, so she would send me out to buy patterns. To, you know, how you yep. make clothes. Mm -hmm. And so I was I was at this store. I got the pattern, and. Uh, so this guy starts running. You know, you see these clips of when 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 black people see somebody run, they start running. That's it. Right, that's right. <laughs> that's it, G. That's right. And that's what I did. I didn't know what was going on. I started running. So I looked but I ain't getting caught up in it. That's right. <laughs> it, 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 but it was really to my detriment. Um, so so what he was running from was these like about six or seven, eight uh guy boys, you know. Uh -huh. And so I started running, so that so they start chasing me. And when I got to the bus stop, there really was my bus that I was supposed to get in, but I was got confused. So the bus left, and they just started plummeting it, beat me up. Mm. Oh, wow. And I was like, I was invisible. No one came to my defense. It was a little elderly black woman mm -hmm. who said, stop beating up that boy. And they was laughing. I was crying, asking people to help me. I was like, help me. 
Yeah. You know, and nobody, it was like, I was, you know, they were just, everybody was at the bus stop and didn't even look at me. Wow. And I remember getting on that bus, crying and everything, and the bus driver, to add insult to injury, he said, you too big to be getting beat up. You oh need to fight me. And so I, I went home and I just said to my mother, I got beat up. And I, it was between my mother, wonderful woman, but she was not emotionally demonstrative. Mm-hmm. So it went like, oh, baby, let me hug you. She said, oh. I just remember, oh. Mm-hmm. And I realized at the point that I have to take care of myself. Yes. Now, I still didn't have a voice. But so you fast forward mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. after my, so I must have been maybe fifth grade. So it's maybe 1974, 73. So six years later, now I'm in college. And now coming back to that same bus line, and dare people to say something to me. I would be on the bus, and I remember that's being on right. the bus. There's the empowerment. And I just, I was always outspoken because that got, that's how I gained in college. So, um, I would always give my seat to a woman when I was a little kid, mm-hmm. and I would get this positive feedback. Oh, thank you, baby. You know that kind of thing. So I'm on the bus, and this is summer of '80, and this is right after my freshman year. And so, I gave my seat to this woman. And I remember there was a black pregnant woman on the bus, mm-hmm. and no one would get up to give her the seat. So I just went off. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. With, that's that's wrong with the black community. You see this woman, and my sister's like stunned because she used to be being quiet. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Be quiet, Dwayne. Like I'm not gonna be quiet, yeah, you know." Uh-huh. Wow. And I would just do these, and you know, and no one. I was daring somebody to say something. They just they ignored me that time around, you know. Mm-hmm. But in a way, you know, and so I found that voice. Yeah. You know, but it, but even when I found my voice, I was embarrassed and shameful how I was. Mm-hmm. I was b- embarrassed and shameful how I conducted myself, right? But I didn't have a voice to take care of myself. I didn't have a voice that, you know, some friends would talk about myself. They would, we call it Joning, like, you know, you. Yeah, you yeah, cap- Jonesing. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they would say stuff to her. And I didn't have a voice to say, who are you talking to? You only yeah. talked about my sister like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I was it was say I was a guilt and shame as I even rose up the ranks. I shut down that part of my life because it was too embarrassing because I was so different mm-hmm. then. And it just took a lot of healing for me to really tell the story. And so I remember doing a workshop uh just about a few years ago in uh Denver. I think it was Denver, and it was about the 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 transformation of a black male and how education did it. And I said, I'm going to tell this full story because by that time I was healed. And so I would tell the story. Yep. So I'm going to tell it to a group of people. So I said, I'm going to try it out in Denver because no one will know me. Yep. But what, what I didn't realize is that there were people at the conference, a big conference, that knew me. So they're looking down the, the list and they're like, oh, hey, Dwayne is doing a workshop. <laughs> so I get there. So full of people I know. The room is. I'm like, ah. So I said that I'm going to share this with you because they didn't know this story, but, but they was just stunned. Yeah by this story and they're like this needs to be a book and i know because so so my point is is that we could be uh caught up in a lot of shame because the trauma mm-hmm. but the shame just keeps the trauma it just keeps going and that so, cycle of trauma healing, that's right that's right yeah then you know so that, that's why i was able to be bigger and better and faster oh i thank you for sharing that because this was the, the emergence of your leadership Absolutely. Right. And I know we're, we're going to get to, you know, sort of the, the how you came to lead the university. But this these are the steps of how you came through and use those pieces that actually became building blocks. I, I right. thank you for sharing that, that narrative. That. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when, I, when I was, let me say this last thing. So when I, I was at, I did my 
opening at Southern. Yeah. Okay. And so it's hundreds of people. And I shared parts of my narrative, but I said to, to the group, that's why I cannot tolerate bullying. Mm -hmm. Bullying behavior, people talking unkind. I said, that's one of my pet peeves. Mm -hmm. And I won't stand for it. Mm -hmm. I won't. You know, yeah. and so that's one piece of my leadership is that because of the the uh, the experiences of being in this environment where I didn't have a voice mm -hmm. and really allowing people, getting people to have a voice. Mm -hmm. You can't have a voice, you know. Yeah. Oh. Now ask the question. That's such a nice guy. Such I a nice guy. It. So, Doc, moving forward, you're there 20 years um, at your university. At the place you said you'd never go. Exactly. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so while you're there, do you get your doctorate while you're there, your PhD? No, no, no. So so I was a student activist. That's just, so I was, I mean, I became, again, I just kind of blew up, you know, to, my nickname was BB. So everybody. Well, what was your nickname? BB, 2B. BDB. BDB. That's what Martin. I know. I won't tell you what it is. But All right. Right, right. <laughs> and so I just became this activist. And so basically, in a nutshell, uh, I was president of the uh, uh, Association of Black Clubs, like the BSU, you know? Mm -hmm. And we want, the, we want the institution to provide uh, resources to the black students on campus. What we were trying to do, we were doing things that really the institution should have, should be doing. So for example, when when we would mentor black students and we would pull them in a the room, the same thing they did with me. They would give you the do's and don'ts. So back in the day, that was back during the time period where women wore curlers, you know, you know the, and we would say, they would say to us, women take those curlers off. Don't you walk with house shoes on. And when you go to class, you sit in the front of the class. You don't mm -hmm. sit in the back. You you know, this is what they were sharing with us. You yeah. know, they was loving on us, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, These are older students. We need some more of that. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. And and so because of that, again, I was a mediocre and because I was so into activism, I don't really recommend it for anyone. But I was set at a table because the next person didn't show up for that time. And I instead of me shutting the table down, I would miss my class. Oh. You know, and in some cases, there would be a uh, my professor coming in the student union and seeing me down at this table. So it was all these awkward things. <laughs> so but the one thing I felt I really was so passionate about this work that I felt like I shouldn't graduate right now because the work is not done. Mm -hmm. So I was actually not going to graduate to do and work so, in the BSU. Yeah, I just I was actually over. I was I was president of my fraternity. I was yeah, just yeah. everything. We had church services. I was over that, and I just felt like, you know, my work is not done mm -hmm. here. I was always a heavy thinker, mm -hmm. real spiritual brother. You know, mm -hmm. I impressed myself now, but that was just what I did. And so I remember this sister came to me and said, um, uh, she found got word that I was going to stick around and not graduate, mm -hmm. and she read me the riot. Like she was like. BB, who do you think you are? You need to get out of here. You ain't Jesus. You know, this is going on. I'm like, what wound up happening, I wound up doing poorly in a class. Uh -huh. So I needed that class to graduate. And so I didn't go to summer school. I said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take the class in the fall and I'm going to get it all together. You know, and so that's what led me to kind of do more things with the community. And as a result, I was hired by the, the university at 22 years of age. Oh, okay. Do all this work. We had we had this grand, grand vision of what we expected the institution to do. Mm -hmm. So the president gave me this empty white, it was this office with all white walls. 
and said, you do what you say you want to do. Wow. So wow. I hustled and I did all this stuff. I babysat, I cooked, I did this for the students. <laughs> I advised, and that's what led me to that. But then, you know, I worked on my master's, but I realized, I said, if I don't leave here, because this is all they see me as, the administrate the institution mm -hmm. as the black guy who works with black students. Mm -hmm. okay. uh... And so I think I left as associate of being right yeah. okay. i knew there was more into me than just this right and i figured i said i had to get out of this do my thing and then come back to it mm -hmm. yeah. to grow to expand yourself and your own leadership okay yeah mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah so mm -hmm. so you leave there and where do you go next doc what's what school so actually i was working on my my phd okay. uh part time while i was working and so that was be that was before the days of uh, online. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to show up. <laughs> yeah, you got to show up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then what I would do, I would, um, I was recruiting at the time because part of this role was how do we get more students of color to the campus? So I had like Chicago, Detroit, all these different places. And I, I had to drive them. So I was going at sometimes full time working on my doctorate. And so I would go to my class, get out at 10 o'clock, and then go back to my home. Uh, this is like, Two, 90 minutes away and then get up and drive to Chicago mm -hmm. another six so, so, so hours finish my classes drive about another five hours so I was always driving and, and going to classes and when I decided to do I said I need to finish my doctorate so instead of me going for another job I just finished my doctorate and my doctorate was, mm -hmm. was strong and the school was impressed with me so they hired me as uh they, they call it a clinical associate but it's a it was a assistant professor rank, so that's how I was able to get into another area of higher education. And what was that? What's the time frame? What are the years that we're looking at that you're working on your PhD? So I started, at, and here's the thing too. So I started in in, in ninety three, mm -hmm. nineteen ninety three, and I and I was encouraging students to go reach your highest potential. And these students are going to PhD programs, and I'm afraid to go work on my doctorate because I thought I'm going to be successful. <laughs> so I called this 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 woman, black woman, who was really popular in the state. She didn't know me. So I looked her up and I said, I want to work on my my doctorate. She said, well, come on, work on it. You come. You can come next week. I said, oh, no, I'm thinking next year. <laughs> she said, no, you're doing now. Let's go. And I was like, well, you know, uh, I have to I have to take the test. I have to. I was getting all these excuses. Yeah. She said, you can go as a post-baccalaureate student. The only thing you need to do is fill out the application. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. I filled out the application, and I was a part-time student. And then um, they elevated me at the institution that I was working for. I was really associate director of admissions. But they wanted me to come back. They said, we'll pay for your doctorate. And so I was doing all this. And so in 98, that's when I decided I have to move on. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. mm -hmm. and I just in '99 I resigned. You know, I said this is it for me, and they thought I had another job, but I just have this faith that things will work out. Yeah. So I quit my job, went full time as a as a PhD student, yeah. and graduated in 2000. Mm. Wow! What wow. was uh, amazing? And, and what was your area of focus for your PhD? What were you studying? So I was. Uh, it was educational leadership. Uh, policy announced with uh, emphasis in black studies and multicultural education. Oh, I got to rap to you after this. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna want to. She's gonna want to talk to you. So, yeah. Doc, we're gonna lead up. I want to lead up to uh, Connecticut. So, the next process. Who's the town of Community College? So the, next, 
what well, actually the next process, you know, um, I made it look very easy, but it was very difficult being a a a, a black male in predominantly white space. Basic, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, let's talk about that. Right. And, yeah. And so it was a challenge, you know, mm -hmm. um, just various challenges. And as I moved up the ranks, there were other challenges because it was, I'm always this, this, when I call myself a visionary, I'm, I have vision, right? And I believe you could do a whole lot more than you think you could do. And that's why I really talk about my story a lot because you think about where my mother came from and mm -hmm. she produced this. Yes. So if yes. my mother could do this with no resources mm -hmm. and produce all the, we're, we're professional people at this yeah. point. My brother, he bought my mother a brand new home. Mm -hmm. wow. Brand new. Yeah. Brand new. I mean, we were the first people walking in this home. Yeah. Brand new. Mm -hmm. And so if that type of thing could come from the Smith. That's right. I could do anything. Well, you were in but a place of poverty, but she had vision for you all. So right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yes. So I always had vision, but just because you have vision doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to embrace it. So mm -hmm. here's an example. So I wound up, um, I was a professor um, after I graduated my PhD, and then I went on to uh, become associate VP of enrollment management. So my career still take this trajectory. Mm -hmm. There were some bumps along the right way. And then I actually became um, a, a chief academic officer and later provost at this particular school. I'm not going to this school. And so I came in there and said, wow, you know, we can actually, and I'm going to use this one example. I said, we can actually uh, be, get a math degree. Mm. And math is the most difficult degree you can get in higher education. It really is the gatekeeper for all other mm -hmm. degrees. Mm -hmm. So if, if you can't pass college algebra, you're not going to graduate. Right? <laughs> so at, this, at this particular school, we were teaching arithmetic wow. as developmental. Arithmetic is third grade math. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But, but, but I have the audacity to say, even though we teach a third grade math, we could offer math degrees. And there was a lot of pushback. And I remember someone told me that one of the persons at the school said, Dr. Smith trying to get a math degree and our students can barely add and subtract. Hmm. Understood. This is within the institution and outside the institution, there was this, uh, there was pushback from other schools. Because they said that we don't, this school don't doesn't have the uh, faculty mm -hmm. with the credentials. But it was really racist in its, its intent. Mm -hmm. Because they just assumed because it's black school, want to have a math degree. And mo everybody had math degrees, you know? We right. just didn't have them. Right. And the, the, the faculty members, they got their degrees from Berkeley. I mean, some of the top schools in the country. Mm -hmm. And so, long story short, we pushed through it. And we become one of the top 50 producers of African-Americans in math mm. in the country. That's what wow. I'm talking about. Number one in the state of Missouri. Yes. Number one. Wow. Yes. And, and today, I was, and then we started a program with another school that you can get a math degree and an engineering degree. Both. Yeah. And I was just on LinkedIn this morning, and one of the former students he, he, that was at this school, he actually has a math degree and an engineering degree. I love it yeah. from, a, from a school that only that only focused on arithmetic. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm a yeah. proponent that if you do not have expectations of your students, you actually don't love them. You, you actually right. don't care for them at all if you don't have an expectation. So thank you for that. Right. Again, that incredible leadership. That's yes. right. Yes. You just have to push through it. So yeah. I wound up. So I started again. I, I started early. I was an activist, student activist. 
And then I was hired, I mean, I don't think I even graduated. I just started work. So 40 years ago, this celebrates 40 years in it. And so because of my years in the system, I was fortunate enough that I was able to, to retire. Mm -hmm. So I was a young brother getting a pension. <laughs> you you gotta have people scratching their head trying to figure out how old you are. I'm just gonna tell you right now. They're like, what? Just say I started at age 22. Yeah. And um, I've been in higher education for 40 years. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's how you figure it out, you know. Yeah. So Doc, we just got the cue from our producer. We have five minutes. <sighs> And oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Yeah, this is not enough. Him. You just seen him. <laughs> and we're going to have you back. We're definitely going to have you back. Yeah. Uh, I just want to hear that transition. And then we got a few questions to have you uh, ask you. Excuse me. I want to hear that transition about how did you come to Connecticut? And yeah. what does the future look like uh, for your thought process at Southern? So Yeah, that's great. So I, I make sure I, I truncate the answers. So <laughs> I was able to retire. And I said, what do I want to do next in life? And I said, I want to, and I said this parameter, I really wanted to work at a community college, but I had to be in an urban uh, system, but I also applied to four institutions. So uh, Housatana came up, I didn't, I didn't know anything about it, and didn't know too much about Connecticut. So I did my research on Bridgeport, and it said, it's a, 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 a seaport city. Mm -hmm. And I'm coming from the Midwest, I said, seaport, that sounds cool, seaport. <laughs> you know? Didn't know what it meant. Then you got and here. Then <laughs> I, I, uh, I researched Housatana. And so I took the job sight unseen. I had not seen anything. Wow. And I said, God, whatever I see, I'm going to accept. And here's the thing. I, I believe my, my mantra is the hustle makes the difference, that you have to work mm -hmm. if you want to get to another level. Now, you can stay at the same level. So what I remember I, I retired July 1st, and they asked me, uh, I asked, well, I, I, can I come start? in August because I went a month off because I've been working since I was 14 years old. They said, no, well, we need to just start July 6th. However, because in the midst of the pandemic, you could work from St. Louis. I said, no, I'm not. So I, I had one day retirement. I drove about a thousand some miles. July 5th, I made it to uh, Bridgeport and I started July 6th. <laughs> well, you gave us your history. We, you're used wow. to being on the road. You, you've done some mileage. You know what to do. I, I'm used to hustling. Hustle. <laughs> there that's you go. A, that's and, a... so that's how I saw, and I think what it is that certain people saw this, this, this ability to transform situations. We, we've done some incredible work yeah. at Husatani. Mm. And so they asked me if I could take over in the interim position at Southern. And so it's still part of the, the journey. So that's how that occurred. Amazing story. Can we can we have him back? Can we have you back, Doctor Smith? Once you start at Southern and you've made the transition, would you would you come back and, and be with us? Oh yes. Oh. And I promise I'll be short in my responses. Uh, no, <laughs> no, we're gonna make time. We we're gonna make room. We're gonna make. Can I go? I'm gonna jump right into the question. All right. Can I? Your favorite podcast. Top, top three. Top three. Okay. Come on, you're a smart man, so you know what the number. The number one one is this one. Oh, there you right. Go. And what's Jazzy. the name of it, Doc? What's the name of it? Jazzy, come on. Jazzy, Jazzy. Conversations with Teeth and Gigi. Well, I was going to say it's Teeth and Gigi. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's Teeth. That's all you need to know. Teeth and Gigi. Doc's Very amazing. good. Right. And actually, the second one is called Motiversity. And it's really these, these podcasts that have snippets of motivational speakers. And I listen to them every morning. I mean, that could be a half an hour. And so David Goggins, I'm not sure if you know who he is. Mm -mm. But he's this, this, I mean, he has a story like when you talk to hear my story, he has a similar story and he went to, from a different direction. So he was, he was like one, all types of 
just awards on uh, physical fitness. Mm -hmm. He talks about being uncommon among uncommon people. All right. So like, so you all, you all are uncommon because not too many people have podcasts, right? Mm But he, so he says, how do you go to another level? So you, you'll be uncommon among the uncommon people, right? Mm. So that's really my thing. How do I become uncommon? Uncommon among the uncommon. The I love that. Common, so, so the more diversity ones are really the ones I listen to, plus this one here. All, All right. right. Doc. <laughs> Dr. Gee, give it Smith. To me. Oh, oh absolutely. So this is open dialogue part. Tell us what you got going on. Any movies, anything got going on? Or, uh, excuse me, books or anything you're writing or anything? Uh, not really. I'm doing essays, but really... Uh, I love to hear uh, stories of triumph. So I actually do have a podcast, Stories of Triumph, and we're going to retool it once I arrive at uh, Southern. So be looking for that. But anytime anyone wants to talk about how to transform their lives in education, they can reach me at uh, uh, my email account, which is dsmith at housatonic.edu. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Will you keep that email address? Because I know you're, you're transitioning soon. Oh, okay, yes. But I tell you what, I can give you my personal email mm-hmm. uh, address, and that's going to always be there. And that's D-W-Y-A-N-E-S-M-I-T-H-1979 at gmail.com. So it's Dwayne Smith, 1979 at gmail.com. All right. Beautiful. All so right. the world, you guys have them. Dr. Smith, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're very excited. I know my partner, Gigi, was extremely excited. Yes. All the people in Bridgeport and New Haven are very excited to hear your story. So when they finally meet you, they'll know they meet in Dr. Smith and they'll know your story. Yes. On behalf of of Jazzy Conversations, I'm Teef. And I'm Gigi. Have a great night, Dr. Smith. Take care. Thank you. Gee, that's amazing. Keith. Uh, so I'm going to be reaching out. I, I, I know mean, I, I know that he's got this amazing story that we only tip, touch the tip of the iceberg. Oh, the, the, he has an amazing story. Yeah. I, I know him personally. Um, mm-hmm. And um, beautiful. He didn't get a chance to talk about his beautiful family. Yeah. His daughter in college is yeah. home now. He's a DJ. Yeah. He does all this stuff on the side. We didn't. Uh, we we only scratched music. the surface. Yes, yes. Yeah, so we're definitely yeah. going to have to have him back. Yes. And... Um, Listen, another great interview. Another great interview. All right. So I know a lot of people are going to tune into that one. Mm-hmm. But, G, yeah. we got to get ready for next week. We got to get ready for next week. I hope the people are going to come back. I think after this one, they'll come back for Please more. Please come back because we're going <laughs> back to the West Coast. We're going to bring someone on from L.A. I, I think you guys will enjoy it. Yes. G? Yeah. On behalf of Jazzy Conversations, I'm Teef. And I'm Gigi. Have a great night, guys. Take care.